Well, it feels like it got real suddenly. Here we are, week one, round one of the 2019 NRL Telstra Premiership. It is, you can take me now, I've seen it all with Smith, Pitt and Russell once again. Are you ready for the season? I know we had a little icebreaker last week just to dust the cobwebs off, but are you really ready for the long march that is the NRL season? I asked myself that question this morning while I was driving in with some doubts in the back of my mind, but as soon <laughs> as I thought about game one, Melbourne against the Broncos, the answer was loud and clear. I'm ready just like you, Lara. Oh my goodness. Could not be any more ready, was. Football. Not... Can we just have some football, please? And we don't have to talk about anything else, hopefully. Yeah, the little taste we got at the, uh, the Charity Shield a couple of weeks ago up at uh, Mudgee didn't quite sate us, I don't think. I think we need a full eight games over the course of the coming weekend to uh, really kick us into gear for 2019. Today, we will go through uh, each of the 16 teams fairly briefly and give us uh, give you our thoughts on where we think they may be headed. Are they moving on up? Mm. Are they stuck in neutral? Are they perhaps headed for a lower level in 2019? We'll run through all 16 teams in a moment. But there's a couple of talking points coming out of the weekend, Lars. Well, yes, we had a bit of a showdown, didn't we, between uh, the New South Wales, former New South Wales captain and the former Queensland captain, Paul Gallen and Cameron Smith, about this salary cap debacle that the the Sharks have been through. And obviously, we know the Storm's very uh, long history around their premierships being stripped, boys. It it got ugly. Um, I wondered myself whether there was any kind of communication exchange afterwards between Gal and Cam on the text message, just to sort of cool cool his jets a bit because Gal basically said he should worry about his own team and not not wish for more investigation into what the NRL handed down at the time but what I found interesting was when Gal said if the if the NRL took the premiership away from the Sharks he'd walk Mm. he'd walk away he'd throw his ring away and he'd never be playing rugby league again well, headquarters says that at the time of the premiership, they were cap compliant. But I did receive a, a message from my daughter in Berlin all over the weekend. Dad, can you explain why Melbourne lost their premierships mm. and Cronulla kept theirs? Now, I offered some sort of explanation, but it then led to another 20 or 30 questions back, at which point I gave <laughs> up. Uh, basically, Melbourne, if I'm not mistaken systematically cheating the system over a period of time when they were achieving premiership success. Mm. Cronulla uh, found to be doing wrong in and around their premiership, not to the same extent and not at the time they won their premiership. Is that a fair assessment in your eyes, Was? Yeah. If I was Cameron Smith, I would be inclined to let bygones be bygones and just move on because it's nine years ago. So just to refresh everybody's memories, at that time, the NRL was co-owned by the ARL and also News Limited. But the Melbourne Storm were pretty much solely owned by News Limited. So they had obviously a vested interest in the whole process and what was going on in Melbourne at the time under the um, CEO, uh, the stewardship of Brian Waldron, who was there around at this time through the, you know, 2005 through to 2009 through 2010 period. And the owners, News Limited, um, owners quite obviously of Fox Sports and Fox League, here we are, but at that time, they couldn't quickly enough say, yes, here's the club's hand up. We are the owners of the club. The club is putting its hand up saying they are way, way over the cap and we will accept any penalty handed down by the NRL, which, as I said, was co-owned by 50% by News Limited and also the ARL. And they were a big part of deciding those sanctions, giving up the premierships. That's how severely they thought this uh, this breach was 
by the club which they own. So they quickly put their hand up and said, we'll give up the premierships. And because I'm pretty sure at that time, now nobody's ever come out and said this, but I'm pretty sure they were really worried about the long-term viability of the Melbourne Storm as things stood on April the 22nd, 2010, when the breach was known. I'm sure they were thinking, this could end the club. This could quite seriously end the club that was that severe. I was surprised to see that this issue, which hurts Melbourne so deeply, raised again. Now, admittedly, it was a quiet weekend before the Premiership starts this weekend, but I was surprised that it was raised. I was surprised that others bought into it. Mm-hmm. And on a quiet weekend, maybe it received more traction than it would have otherwise. And maybe what a pity that we don't have the salary cap cup in round one, Sharks v Melbourne. That's always a great game, though, <laughs> it isn't is, it? But- well, Melbourne... Storm captain Cameron Smith actually raised it, Maddie, at the launch on Wednesday. That's when he brought it up. And then Gals had his response on the weekend. I think it speaks to more than anything the fact that the salary cap doesn't, the the, the penalties don't even work anyway. So we don't even want to unpack that can of worms right now because you can strip premierships, you can give them the ultimate punishments and clubs are still doing it um, all these years later. So please watch League Life this Wednesday because Uh we're going to be uh, talking in more detail with some of the heaviest hitters in the game about things like this. So let's not get bogged down in it too much. And before we leave it though, Paul Gallen, to his credit as a media man speaking, if you ask him a question, he will give you an answer. You don't have to necessarily agree with it, but I've never seen him shirk an issue or dodge a question. That's why he's carving a niche for himself in the media. He tells you what he thinks, whether you agree or not, then we move on. And it doesn't surprise me at all that to see people go to Gal for a comment after what Cam Smith said and see Gal state his case. So to be told to just look after Cronulla, well, that's just a sort of, I don't know, a cheap and a little bit immature way to say, Gal, we're not listening. But no, he's, of course he's going to be asked. And if you know Paul Gallen, he's going to answer. And to wrap it up, um, the NRL has alluded to the fact that they would like to um, change the third-party agreement system or scrap it altogether but it is of the utmost urgency that they look into that because every time there's an issue, whether it's the Eels or the Sharks, the Melbourne Storm, you name the clubs, the Sea Eagles, it all revolves around third-party agreements. And if I'm the RLPA, the Rugby League Professionals Association, the Players Association, I'm saying this needs to be cleared up because how many of their players have been dudded, absolutely dudded cold, promised whatever amounts, you know, and as to the players' point of view thinking that's all okay, this will be sanctioned and it's going to be okay, it'll be signed off on by the NRL. I guarantee you 90% of the players who've been promised third-party agreements over the years have never received the money. I, I, I work with a couple I was of them. Say, we work with some and, who and, are quite happy to tell us. And if you ask them about this subject, they're not very happy <laughs> and still aren't happy and quite rightly so. So the NRL, one of the pressing issues they face is third-party agreements and the Players Association, everybody needs the integrity unit, needs to get together and work it out because it continues to drag the league down and will continue to do so while ever that that opportunity is there to try and cheat the system through third-party agreements. And it's invariably, it's the way clubs try to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's okay. hope we're not talking salary cap from this point forth in yes, season 2019. Mm-hmm. That would be good. Uh, let's take a look at the 16 clubs beginning uh, their prospects of 2019, but beginning in reverse order. Let's start at the bottom and work our way out from 2018 as the teams finished last year. In 16th spot last year, it was the Parramatta Eels. Six wins, 18 losses, new season, new stadium. Is there a new outlook for the Eels? Can Blake Ferguson be the semi-rad radra 
of 2017 and give them that, that start to their sets of six that they missed so badly last year? He'll help, and Paulo's return should help bolster their meet up front. Let's face it, the only way is up for Parramatta, and I think it will be up, but not by a lot. I've got them running fourth from bottom, improving on last year on the back of a couple, a couple of good signings. The home ground factor, they jump about four spots for me, was. Yeah, I would have to say neutral if we're going that way. Maybe a, a couple of places up, um, but on the basis of who they've signed and the fact that whilst Corey Norman and Mitchell Moses weren't working incredibly well together, they've, they've got a very young, untested halves combination, which we know is so important. Um, so I can't say that they'll be pushing for the eight this year. The excitement around their home ground, if they can build a, a fortress there out at their new stadium, that will be really important for them um, because they've sort of been homeless for, for so long. Um, but, yeah, I cannot see was the, the Eels. It could be a really if, – if they don't start well as well, you'd think that that will be a big, big problem for Brad Arthur because there'll be pressure on him. I've got them stuck in neutral also, which yeah. when you're 16th isn't great. It <laughs> means you're, a, you know, in our minds, uh, likely to win the wooden spoon again yep. in, uh, in 2019. The Manly Seagulls were 15th last year, seven wins, 17 losses. Can Des make a difference or do the Seagulls only go as far as Tom and Jake Travojevic will take them? Yeah, I hope they don't have too many injuries, Manly. I've got them finishing below Parramatta. I had them third from bottom. The Des factor is probably their biggest factor mm. this year. Can Des work his uh, wonders at Manly? I don't know. Yeah, I think Des is a huge, a huge plus for them. And the players that they've got should make them, they should not be down in 15th on the ladder with the Trebojevic brothers, with Daly Cherry Evans in the team, um, with Marty Tapao on if he's playing to his to his potential. RP Coruscant fit. Yes. I, I can see them being better going up. Uh, and if anyone's going to do it and get that siege mentality back at Manly. They've had, they had a shocking year last year with the circus around Trent Barrett, around the ownership of the club. Uh, if it's settled, you c- I don't think they would have used it, any of that as an excuse. They should be better than last year. Well, Tom Trebojevic will miss the first few rounds yes. was with injury. Dylan yep. Walker won't be there as well. We know that Daly Cherry Evans will be in the halves, but who will be with him? Hodkinson or LG? So already with injuries and suspensions to high-profile players, Des has his work cut out from the outset. Yeah, I can't see them improving all that much. And I think the ownership issues of the club and you know their long-term future on the Northern Beaches, there's too many question marks there. Um, Scott Penn came out recently and said that, you know, we'd had an offer of a 12 million this and 13 million that, whatever else. So you've had offers and you've spoken to people. If, if the club's not for sale, you're not talking to anybody and not discussing numbers. So trust me, if somebody came along with the right number, the Manly Seagulls are up for sale because the Penn's business is mostly now in the United States. They have interest over there with their health products. They love the Seagulls, no doubt. They wouldn't still be involved if they didn't love the Seagulls. But the Seagulls, if you want to buy a rugby league team and have got 20 million spare somewhere, Matty, in the back pocket, down the back of the couch, There's an idea. you could buy the Manly Seagulls. It'll be a good way to have a tax write-off. <laughs> the Gold Coast Titans finished in 14th position, eight wins and 16 losses. One of our big storylines last year around the Titans on this podcast was the fitness and the playing weight of Ashley Taylor. And during the preseason, he came out and said, I'm six kilograms lighter this preseason than I was at my playing weight in 2018. He's got that photo of JT up on the mirror, stuck there with his shirt off, seeing Jonathan Thurston's abs 
Does that make the difference for the Titans in 2019? It makes a difference. I don't know whether it makes big enough difference to get them into the top eight. I've got them finishing on the edge, maybe separated on uh, points differential. Got them in about 10th was, and I really like the Titans this season. I'm looking forward to seeing Ash Taylor more streamlined, as you mentioned. I'm really looking forward to seeing AJ Brimson in his second season. Can he go on with the bright job he made? But I've long said that one of my favourite players is Tyrone Peachy, the jack-in-the-box that is Tyrone. What can he do there alongside other newcomers like Shannon Boyd, for example? The development of Malaki Fotowaka will be interesting as well. So I've got them improving, and, mm-hmm. and who knows? Maybe sneaking into the eighth, but if I'm forced now to make a pick, I've got them tenth. I, will th- I would like to say the Titans are going to be a really good story this year. I think they've recruited really well. They've got an unbelievable forward pack. Uh, it's young whilst it's massive. Sometimes we know massive doesn't always um, indicate you're going to be successful. Uh, I, I just think they've got so much excitement in attack as well. We were talking so much about AJ Brunson at the end of last year. Um, I can't wait to see what he does. I think they're definitely on the up. They shouldn't be 14th with the team that they've got this year. So uh, I don't want to put the mocker on them, but I think they'll be close and pushing for the eight. Uh, I haven't got them in the eight like Maddie, but getting up up closer to their this I had year. them 10th. I had them sniffing around yeah. the eight. Yeah, I'd like to see them do well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think they, they're an improver. But whether it's enough to make the eight in 2019, perhaps a couple of games, uh, a couple of wins short uh, from... Hang on, have have you heard this news about the Titans' first game of the season? Go on. They've got Daryl Braithwaite yes. performing before kickoff against Not the Raiders. Not horses. What's he saying? Yeah, of course. He's I, in the horses. I, I'm like, Please. I want to be up there. Are you up there for that game? Are you? No, I'm no. not. No. Oh, I'm blowing up. I'm in you the studio go. doing Sunday tickets, so I'm hoping we can... Can we cross, take it cross live? And Just 30 seconds of the horses <laughs> so you can have a sing-along as have you go to the break. Titans. I'm like, That's that, good. If I can have that at Jubilee every time we have a home yeah. game. Did Mal put Daryl in a Braithwaite and said, you're singing round one? How That's did, did so get down to Mal Meninga. Daryl Braithwaite. Mal got Daryl there. Did Mal put Daryl in a Braithwaite? Oh, did I <laughs> in a headlock? In a headlock. <laughs> did, <laughs> did Mal Is put Daryl in a Braithwaite? I've got him in a figure ball Braithwaite. A Braithwaite. We got hijacked. That's good. The North Queensland Cowboys, 13th last year, 8 wins, 16 losses. It's year one in the post-Jonathan Thurston era. Mm. Can Michael Morgan do what he did back in 2017 and make the team his own Go on, once are again? You I have got to say they ha- absolutely have to be on the up, and I put them into my eight this year. Wow. I, I know that's a huge jump, and considering they did have JT in the side and they didn't manage to finish in the finals. You mentioned it. It is Michael Morgan's team now, uh, and I, I do think they got crueled by injury last year a little bit as well. They've got a fit, the fitter team across the park. Now they've got uh, – we, we don't know who they're going to definitely go with in the halves yet, do we? They're talking between Jake Clifford and is it Tamari Martin? Tamari Martin. Have they given the green light either way yet? That will be a big one to see what they decide to do. I don't think they're, they're a bottom eight side. They should be better. And, yes, they've lost the best player – that we've ever seen. Uh, but Good forward. They'll back, be, yeah, and they'll be hurting massively from what – that was the most – that was an off-the-radar season for them. Well, here's the forward pack that was just mentioned. Matt Scott, Jake Granville, Jordan McLean, McLean. Tal Malolo. Hess, Maguire. And I haven't mentioned Gavin Cooper in there either. So he might come off the bench. John Asiata is there. Francis Molo. It's a good pack. Got him between yes, six and eight was. Yes. Back in the top eight, but maybe lower half of the top eight. I had them seventh. Yeah, yeah seventh to tenth for mine. Just make it or just miss out potentially. But I think they should improve. But again, Jonathan Thurston, for all the talk last year about him, 
you know, not being at his best in 2018 in the final season of his career, still led comfortably, still led the try assist tally by about four or five over. Ash Taylor at the end of 2018. So hmm. uh, for all the talk earlier in the season, uh, JT was still very, very productive for the Cowboys. So lots of uh, you know balls into space for runners that it won't be there this year unless Clifford, Martin, Morgan can step up. Cowboys hosting Dragons to complete the first Super Saturday. Isn't that a great way to finish the opening Saturday? I'll be the up season? there for that. Will you? Who's singing? Are you going to sing that one, Was <laughs> I won't sing the horses. I'll sing something. Okay. Maybe Fantastic. back at the hotel afterwards. Ben, yes. Go to the casino if you Just want to behave yourself do the there, best. There's behave always yourself. a bloke playing the guitar in yeah. the main part of the uh, casino, so I might just do a couple of numbers. <laughs> Break out the six-string. Uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs, 12th last season, eight wins, 16 losses. Half of their wins, though, came in the last six rounds of the season. They finished with a rush. Lachlan Lewis was on fire. He was the revelation at 5'8", but he's played a total of nine NRL games. Uh, the Dogs fans' expectations may be a little bit out of kilter with the reality out there at Canterbury. Uh, the board of directors, maybe their expectations are out of kilter because there's talk that if Dean Pay doesn't have success, he might be for the chop, which is incredible given what's happened out there in the last oh, 18 yeah, months. Pay are out they another kidding? coach. Do we want to pay out another coach? Yes, Seriously. Well, Please. I mean, but we said last year on this podcast that if we were the Dogs, we'd be re-signing Dean Pay now. Yes, He'd done enough to sure. give the club some certainty mm. in these uncertain times. And while I have so much time for Dean Pay, and you look at a number of the players there and you think, good players, good men, but someone's got to run last. And yeah. I just wonder that depth might come back to haunt the Dogs. And unfortunately, when I shuffled the places, they're in 16th. Yeah. Me got them too. dropping all the way I've to the got bottom. Them down the bottom too. I know that sounds awful. I think you've got a huge question mark still over Kieran Foran. If he comes out and declares with his form that he is fit and firing him back to his best, I'll I'll take it all back. But I don't know that we're convinced yet that he can get back to to where he was. If he goes down again early in the year, what have they got? And they've already got a youngster, Lachlan Lewis, in the halves alongside him. So. They just don't, I don't know if they've got the depth either, either to cover if they do have major injuries and their backline doesn't overly excite me. They've lost Clemmer, they've lost others as the uh, sell-off, the fire sale happened last season. They recruited Christian Crichton on a wing uh, and then Corey Harawira-Naira and Dylan Napa. I like Harawira-Naira, he's a good get. Yep. Mm. Uh, but let's remember they did lose a hell of a lot last season. And they had to because of their salary cap predicament out there, the t- ticking time bomb that was left by... Uh, the former administration out there at Canterbury. Um, speaking of expectations, the Newcastle Knights last season were 11th, nine wins, 15 losses. Looked great early in the season, won five of their first eight. And then Mitchell Pearce went down with that pec muscle injury, missed nine games. Um, they were you know, pretty average or below average, in fact, without him during that period. If he's fit and if Caelan Ponger and his move to 5-8 is a success, it's hard to see them missing the finals, you would think, given all the talent that they have stocked up up there in Newcastle over the last 18 months. I don't have them missing the finals. I don't have them missing the top four. I've got them in wow. fourth, which will shock a lot of people. That's my perhaps wild card pick of mine. Top four? Top order. I've got them in fourth. I, I watched them uh, trial pre-season and you would not base anything on that. But as I'm <laughs> surveying the assets they have, the Pongers, the Pierce, uh, Clemmer joining a bolstered forward pack, Nathan Brown another year on, the crowd that will come even in bigger numbers with success that I think they'll find early in the season, I think they can create something. Mm. And, and, you know, you, every single team comes with a disclaimer of as long as they have no injuries. Yeah. But 
I think they can crack the top four. I think they can sneak into fourth spot. I've got them in my eight. This time last year, I had them around seventh or eighth, and that was probably a bit premature. We didn't know what Caelan Ponga was really going to achieve, and then what what we saw was phenomenal. I do think they would have probably finished eighth if they didn't have the injuries that they had. So I'm being safer than Maddie. I'm not willing to declare top four. I actually find it hard to pick a top four, but uh, Newcastle, the big improvers, they have to be actually. Isn't Nathan Brown on a performance-based salary and and contract? And so I'd say he's assembled now the best of the best and there's always room for improvement in a squad, but... They've got a squad now to definitely push for finals. Was well, Jurgen Kalen Ponga finishes the year as 5'8"? He'll start wearing six, or does he finish in the number one with Connor Watson slipping back into the halves? Honestly, for mine, it doesn't matter, I think, as long as he finishes the year. If, if he stays <laughs> injury-free and is on the field, whether it's in the one or the six, they're such a better team than they are without him, quite obviously. So I think if he's fit and if Mitchell Pearce stays fit, um, they are a big improver. I've got them, yeah, moving into the top eight. Um, speaking of movement into or out of the top eight, over the past three seasons, there's been three changes in each of those three seasons in the top eight from year to year. In the three seasons before that, there was only two teams dropped out mm. and two teams moved in for those, you know, back from 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, the only two teams moved in and or out of the top eight. So... It's tough. There isn't a lot of change at the top from year to year. So Mm. there won't be too many spots, you you wouldn't think, unless there's a massive upheaval. But huge improvements are hard to come by. So um, if the Knights are moving in, uh, how many teams will join them? One of those teams, again with expectations, will be the Canberra Raiders, no doubt. Tenth last season, 10 wins, 14 losses. Um, They only won five of their first 13 games last year. Josh Hodgson returned. They were five wins, six losses when he got back, but he was fresh back from a a major injury, of course, that knee reconstruction. Um, If he stays fit, then they're a much better team, quite obviously. They've, um, again, done well with the uh, talent recruitment that they've got, but they're ill-disciplined for mine. I still want to see them get through a season without Joey Leilua being a pork chop, without Jordan Rapana losing his mind, and he won't be back for the first maybe six, maybe eight weeks. It was at one stage going to be half a season, but he's going to be missing for maybe the first month and a half. So he hurts them. I think he, he without them, he's a, a big loss as far as what he does early in their sets and his tackle-busting ability. Um, they should improve. They should make the eight. But can they make the eight? Well, they'll improve if they have Hodgson all season. Jack Whiten into the halves. That'll be interesting to see with Nickel Klockstad expected to get first crack at the number one position. I reckon it'll come down to the final round and the Raiders finish ninth. Ooh, I've got them just missing out, but right in the race up until that final round full time. And would that have Ricky Stewart under pressure? Speaking of coaches under pressure. Uh, If he was going to ever be under pressure was... He would have been under pressure by now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the valve is getting tighter and tighter, though. I think, you know, he's been given quite a bit of leeway mm. down there. He's the prodigal son who returned and obviously lots of connections in Canberra. But at some stage, push comes to shove and Ricky needs a result. If there was a premiership for who plays the most exciting football, and there's the team that I actually love to watch every weekend, it's usually the Raiders. Not when they leak points, but when, they, when they've got the ball in hand. So exciting to watch. Have they done enough? Have they changed enough in the off-season to tighten up their defence and the, those agonising moments in the games for those poor Raiders fans where they just drop their bundle in the last 10 minutes 
I mean, I hope we're not sitting here in the first few rounds talking like we were last year when they were winning. Remember the first game against the Titans? Same thing. They Anyway, we won't go back there. But I, I, I can't get them past neutral for me. I can't see how they're a better side than they were last year. And I, I think Jack Whiten is complete big question mark for me yep. whether that experiment's going to work. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sorry, Ricky, but I have i don't have them making out to have them exactly where they are now, which is 10th. I've got them just sneaking in, um, along with the Newcastle Knights, both moving into the top eight. I think they're my only two I've got going from outside the top eight into the top eight. Um, we'll go through the teams I think might miss out, as far as my reckoning is concerned. But uh, I think the penny will drop at some stage with those players I mentioned. They'll be a better unit this year. Again, the halves, as you say, Lara, there's still some question marks there, but I think you know, they should be an improvement. They should make the eight. I think, I, think they, for, I think for Ricky's sake, they need to make the top eight. Well, they win the comp in my books, the Raiders, for sideline experience because they're great to deal with in terms of being affable and giving information, and something is always happening. Yeah. Be it white chairs <laughs> flying by your ears, Ricky sure. Stewart cuddling his own players on the bench. Even when it's minus eight, <laughs> it's a good place to be, Canberra sideline, when Ricky and the Raiders get going. I think they'll get off to a better start this season. They need to than they did last year, obviously. Uh, the West Tigers finished ninth, 12 wins, 12 losses. Still three games outside the top eight as it turned out, uh, but the bus is gone. Ivan sold everybody a ticket and then left them all standing on the side of the road. Uh, I don't know if Michael Maguire believes in buses. I think he's more of a whip and chair type of coach. Uh, I'll be surprised if he doesn't continue to improve their defensive numbers from last season. They were better, but their attack went backwards in 2018. Uh, There's a lot of doubt in my mind as to how much improvement there is in their attack. And are they a team caught between the past and the future with Benji Marshall and Robbie Marshall, uh, Robbie Farrer rather, still there? Um, if you'd said to me three years ago, Robbie Farrer and Benji Marshall would be part of this Tigers makeup in 2019, I'd have said, get off the drugs. <laughs> honest. Could, you, could you see it three years ago, those two oh, being no. back there? and still oh, Of course, it's rugby league. Random stuff happens all My the goodness. time. You said they're stuck between the past and the future, perhaps, was. I got them stuck between 14th and 16th. Yeah, yeah right. Um, for the reasons you've just mapped out mm-hmm. largely. Um, yeah, that's where I've got them. I, big question marks around how what the difference that Michael Maguire will make. I'm interested to see. You, you know, we, we won't know until we see them out on the field. I've got them sticking neutral, maybe dropping a little bit. Um, I'd like I'd like to hope Madge can bring something different to what they produced last year, but the proof will be in the pudding. One of the, t- <clears throat> Sorry. One of the teams I have dropping outside the top eight uh, is the Warriors, who finished in eighth place last year. I guess no surprise that most people might suggest they'll go backwards this season, uh, they've lost the talent of Sean Johnson. Um, and while we've always marvelled at his talent, we've also always questioned his game management abilities and his ability to steer the team around the paddock and make the right decision at the right time in big moments, in big games. Um, he's gone to the Sharks quite obviously. It'll be fascinating to see which direction they go without Johnson this season. Yeah, at the moment, they've slated Adam Kieran into partner Blake Green in the halves. We'll see if that's the case when teams come out this week. I've had the Warriors in the top four over the last few years and been bitterly disappointed. Admittedly, they made the finals last year, but not as high as they should have. And they didn't offer much in the finals. Now, with Sean Johnson not there, you look across this lineup and you say, like that, like that. But ultimately, Sean Johnson, who has had such a say in their attack and such a contributor to their try scoring, isn't there. So if I... 
had them as high as fourth in the past and they haven't delivered. I've got to have them outside the eight this year. I've got them in an 11th. Yeah. I think the pressure's firmly on Stephen Kearney. He made he and the club made a huge decision to offload one of their most prized and favourite fan favourite players to obviously go in a new direction. For whatever reason, we don't know, but they may may they maybe they think that you know Sean, for all his flamboyance and all of his excitement as a playmaker, wasn't able to, as you said, Maddie, step up in those big moments. They haven't replaced him, though, with a player that probably can do that. So will Blake Green just bring a calm to the team and perhaps they'll play a different style? The Warriors won't be the Sean Johnson touch footy style excitement and therefore a bit switch on, switch off style of football team to watch. Maybe he's going for a completely new Warriors you know, theme and style of play. Was before you have you say, are we overlooking a big absence for the Warriors in Simon Mannering, who despite Mm. missing a lot of footy last season, still led their tackle count despite missing so many games. He did so much cleaning up around the middle corridor, uh, around the ruck. Uh, Yeah, they've lost their attacking dynamo, but they've also lost a defensive uh, uh, cog that has been so important to them. Mm. Yeah, I, I think their hopes hinge on three letters. R-T-S, <laughs> Roger Tuivasa-Shek. And, uh, you know, wherever they finish, I think they'll finish outside the top eight. They are great to watch because I'm massive fans of David Fusatua and Ken Mamalo and whatever they've got those two guys and their finishing ability, if they can create chances, those guys can score some tries. So, um, and with Roger Tuivasa-Shek doing what he does and his defensive um, play at fullback also, which is fantastic. In 2018, um, there's still a chance. So, um, but I've got them moving out from the top eight and uh, sliding down to maybe around about like you, maybe tenth or thereabouts. Mm. To the Dragons, who were seventh last year, 15 wins, nine losses. It's hard to know where to begin when it comes to the Dragons. Um, they might be feeling exactly the same way as it turns out. I mean, the full ramifications of Jack DeBellin's you know pending trial won't be known until well into the future. Uh, the Dragons can't start their season with some sort of clarity about it all until the NRL stand-down is tested again um, at the federal court later this week. Uh, whether DeBellin is right to play or not right to play, we'll know by the time they get to Townsville on Saturday night, surely. Hopefully it's, it is comes to some sort of conclusion this week. But whether he's in there or out of the team, they can't get off to a, a slow start because there's just been so much, so many distractions if they do get off to a slow start, the pressure will really ramp up there very quickly. Well, they finished seventh last year. When Jack DeBellin was in the side, I had them up in the top four because that's where they should have finished last year, if not for that little, again, fall away in form. Without Jack DeBellin, I think we saw in the charity shield, it's going to be a big headache for Paul McGregor to fill that void. Uh, they are going to have to rush on or, I guess, push through some younger back rowers who probably weren't ready and weren't going to be having as many minutes, but now they'll have to. Uh, So the forward pack's hugely affected in that way. Their edges are a big question mark for me. The defence on the weekend, last weekend uh, at Mudgee was a a huge issue, but it's a trial, so let's just hope they can fix that up. I I don't think they'll be top four without Jack in the team, but I still have them in the eight. Mm. I've got them running in sixth. Mm. Corbin Sims joining Tarek Sims. It's potentially a premiership or top four squad when you look at it on paper. I've got them just outside the top four. I've got them uh, inside the top eight, but maybe in that bottom four, maybe again in that sort of sixth, seventh, eighth range where they were by the end of the end of the minor premiership at least uh, in 2018. The Brisbane Broncos, 
Six last season, 15 wins, nine losses. Uh, when the sequel to the movie Trading Places was suggested, I didn't think it was going to be Wayne Bennett and Anthony Seabold taking the places of Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Um, I don't know which one Wayne would play, um, but can Seabold do what Bennett couldn't do at the NRL's biggest club? Maybe, because I've got them finishing second, an exciting young forward pack, good coach, city to yourself. As we've seen in the past, they tick so many boxes and I think they'll finish second to the reigning premiers at the end of the home and away season. I've got them on the up as well. All the talk coming out of Brisbane is that it's no slight on Wayne Bennett and what he did there, but it's a very different approach. It's a fresh approach and uh, a lot of a very different style of coach. We, I mean, we don't really have to go through it. Uh, Wayne Bennett, the man manager, Anthony Seabold, very much tactical based. Uh, and I think that the young players in particular at the Broncos, from what I've been told, are really enjoying that direction. Uh, so he does have a lot of young players in the squad. And I think if he can get the best out of them, it, I, I can't see why they can't be pushing for the top four. Yeah, top four team for me. No doubt about that. I think they should move up and I think Seabold will be very good for them. But still... You know, Cody Nicarima and Anthony Milford. Yeah, big uh, Anthony, question mark. Anthony Milford had a shoulder reconstruction. There was a bit of a scare um, during last week's training, I think it was. He had a little moment there where he was get up, get, got up a little bit gingerly from a, uh, a situation on the ground. So uh, they need both of those guys fit and firing, and certainly Milford um, to be on the field for most of the season. To the Penrith Panthers, who were fifth last season, 15 wins and nine losses also. My question about the Panthers, is everybody rowing in the same direction. And they might have been for a while in Ivan Cleary's first stint there, but we know how that turned out. They might have been for a while in the first couple of seasons under Anthony Griffin, but we know how that turned out. And history tells you it never seems to last for too long at the Panthers. The biggest single thing that will determine whether they are contenders for mine is somebody who will never take the field this season. It's the general manager, Phil Gould, and his ability to let Ivan Cleary do what he's employed to do. We spoke about it last year when there was all this drama about Anthony Griffin. We said, if, if Anthony Griffin gets the sack, the only coach, next coach, could be Phil Gould. He's gone and gotten Ivan Cleary back to the club, but can they work together this time around? Because it fell apart badly first time around. I've got them working together wonderfully and finishing third, the Penrith Panthers. Uh, I thought they should have finished higher last season. So third for me... The back line, fantastic. We've praised the forward pack long time now. So I'm looking forward to seeing Jack Hetherington with a bit more footy under his belt. I thought he was really aggressive last year. If he contains that and channels it in the right direction, I think he could have a fantastic season along some fantastic forwards. I I go straight with Matty there on the up for the Panthers. But one thing you said was we've been talking about them for a long time. So I feel like that it's getting to that point now where they're not the young team anymore. I don't know that they did themselves any favours by the way they finished the year last year with all those comebacks. Yes, it was exciting to watch as a fan, but I don't know you can win a premiership by playing that way. So they just have to fix up that 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 slow start, the slow starts that they were doing for that yep. stretch of games towards the finals. And um, whether these off-field distractions are going to weigh into their start to the year is one thing, but I've still got them finishing in the top four. That's the asterisk, isn't it? Yeah. What has happened and what might yet happen with regards to off-field dramas for the yep. Panthers. Yep. I've got them um, still in the top eight in that sort of yeah fourth to sixth range, I think, so, you know, depending on early season results. And if, as you say, Lars, they can um, you know work out and rectify those slow starts to games that really put them behind the eight ball so many times um, in games last season. Now, the Sharks, 
This is my other team I've got dropping outside the top eight. Uh, there are clubs who just can't seem to get out of their own way at the moment. The Sharks are at the top of that list. Uh, Shane Flanagan is gone. This time he won't be back. And the responsibility of leading the team has fallen to rookie coach John Morris. Talk about a baptism of fire. There is no Valentine Holmes. He's off chasing his NFL dream like Jared Hayne before him. And there's no Wade Graham. So the start of the season also, as he recovers from a, a knee reconstruction, he's a big loss. Holmes is a massive loss. Graham's absence at the start of the season is also a huge loss because he was a big part of what they offered in attack in 2018 when he was fit and healthy. Um, I can see them sliding backwards and sliding so far back. I think they'll miss the top eight. I've got them finishing 12th, so I'm on board with the comments you just made. Lara? Out. Sorry, Sharks fans. Not in the top eight this year. Mm. Yeah, that would, and that would be you know shattering uh, Paul Gallen in his final season in the NRL. If you know, I'm sure he's not going to quit. I'm sure he's going to play on. I don't think the Sharks are going to lose their premiership, but um, it would be a sad way to go out for uh, a real warrior of the game over so so many seasons. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, third last season, 16 wins, eight losses. And I think if you ask most people down at Redfern to sum up the 2018 season, they describe it as a great chance wasted. Um, they won 11 out of 12 games at one stage there through the middle of the season, but they only won two of their final seven. That's a remarkable stat, isn't it? Two mm. wins in their final seven games, including the finals. But there's loads of motivation for everybody down there at South Sydney. Wayne Bennett does have a great record of improving teams when he moves to those teams in the first couple of seasons, whether it was the Dragons, the Newcastle Knights made a preliminary final, under Wayne Bennett, um, they made the grand final in Brisbane first season back in 2015. So he has this habit of going to a club and improving them immediately. They were third last year. If he improves them, I think they're grand finalists, if not potentially premiers. Round one on Friday night at the SCG was, you're calling it, Roosters, yep. Rabbitohs. They might not have Greg Inglis for that. George Burgess suspended for the first three rounds. But again, the Wayne Bennett factor uh, injected into this famous South Sydney club. I've got them in the top eight and comfortably so, despite the fact I've got them seventh. So does that make sense? Seventh? I've got them seventh, bottom half of... Can't fit everyone in. No, true. Bottom half of top eight. And I know people might say, oh, well, seven's not comfortable. But I think they'll control the season and finish top eight. Mm. I've got them in the top two. I've got them second. Uh, I feel like they, Wayne, exactly as you said, was walking into a team that hasn't lost a lot. Angus Crichton, the biggest casualty heading to the Roosters. Uh, Greg Inglis told me he'd be right for round one. Don't know if he was playing Ducks and Drakes, but usually GI's pretty honest with me. Um, he'll start in the centres, wants to play fullback. Whether or not that will happen with the the legs, the ageing legs remains to be seen. But they are this time last year. I don't think I had the Rabbitohs in the eight, based on the fact that they'd been so poor the years the year before with Michael Maguire. We all saw Anthony Seibold got the best out of those players and the forward pack in particular. So if Wayne Bennett can get Thomas, George, and Sam firing like they were last year, there's no reason why Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker won't step up and have a field day because they produce some of the most exciting football uh, that we saw last year. Does life get more difficult for Damien Cook this season now that teams are alert to him perhaps more so than last year and the tip sheet will feature Damien Cook more so than they did in 2018 at times? Uh, I think they're going to try and evolve the way he plays out there and get him a couple of passes wide of the ruck, especially in attack between that sort of 40-metre zone and 20 metres out from, from the line. I think you'll spend a lot of time as an option as a half option, so Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds won't be the sole, you know, pivot on either side of the field. I think 
they'll get him to play that role. I saw them at training a couple of weeks ago. I'm not telling stories out of school here. Uh, Wayne Bennett, if you ask him, will openly say, yes, we're going to try and you know, evolve the way he goes about it. The one thing he, he can't do is get tackled when he's wide with the ball because he'll get dominated. He's not, he's not a big guy, quite mm. obviously, and they can't get two and three players into tackles and, and you know lose that momentum in the set of six with, with Cook getting caught out wide. But they mm. will try and use him in that situation if they can. If it works, um, boy, they've got so many points yeah. in them. It's crazy with Inglis and Johnston. Um, Dane Gagai on one side of the field as well. Um, you know, they should be a top three team, and they are for mine. The other two teams, obviously, from the top three last season were Melbourne and the Roosters. Melbourne second, 16 wins, eight losses. The big three has gradually been whittled down to just the big one over the past couple of seasons, and you'd think at some stage this incredible era of success they've had at the Storm for so long now, a decade and a half in reality, um, you won't find me predicting that the era will come to an end, but at some stage it will, but not while ever Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith are still there steering the ship. Yeah, that's right. I've got them in the finals, but not in the top four. Yeah. I've got them running fifth and uh, for the reasons you just mapped out. Yep. Uh, so they'll be finalists again, the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, I say going down, I mean, you lose Billy Slater. How can you be a better team? Because you're not replacing him with a like player. But I, I just can't see them not being a competitive side. They are a competitive side every year. How many teams bring through the level of talent that they've still got at their disposal? I can't wait to see Jerome Hughes. It's sad that that drink water's been injured. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate for them, but they've just got that the right attitude, the right um, preparation every week. You know they're always going to play well, so they cannot be anywhere but in the top eight. Um, I've got them like Maddie in fifth. Rock solid playing roster still and. Adding to Bellamy and Smith, I'd go Frank Panisi, who's been a long-time member of this very successful club and plays a, a crucial role, as all he the does. players will say. Throw in the highly rated Jason Riles. I know they've lost Adam O'Brien. And we're talking about off-field staff here, but it is a factor when you've got a changing squad on the field. It's still a very strong squad. that You rock solid off it with Panisi and Bellamy and Riles has been there for a while. Mm. I think that's going to make them safely finalists again. And the other part of that front office who is never seen, and I don't think if you put him in a lineup of Eskimos, nobody could pick him out. A fellow named Paul Bunn, who is their recruitment officer, who just has, he's one of those guys who has the magic touch. He has the great vision. He can just see potential and see guys who he thinks could be 10-year first graders or representative players, and they tend to get a lot of them. In Melbourne, they have great connections, quite obviously in New Zealand. They always do well with their Kiwi recruits. Um, so, you know, while ever that's the case, while ever you've got that, that brains trust there, they've been overseas again in the off-season, taking a look at uh, operations in various sports in the US and also the UK and Europe. They do that every year. Um, they'll be thereabouts again. I've got them... Yeah, fourth, fifth or sixth in that middle part of the top eight. I think they'll go backwards a little bit, but not dramatically. Certainly not missing the top eight. Which brings us to the Premiers. The Roosters, uh, 16 wins, eight losses. You know, here they were, the the Premiers. They were only one loss away from finishing in the bottom part of the top eight last year. They could have been fifth or sixth. That's how close it was Mm. last season. But by the time we got at the finals, I think they had separated themselves from the pack with a style of football. They were playing... It took a while to gel, and there were question marks, quite obviously, about that combination between Kronk and Kiri and Tedesco. They're all still there. Sure, they've had a couple of changes. They've picked up Angus Crichton. They've lost Blake Ferguson. But I'm excited about watching Kronk, Kiri, and Tedesco in year two. 
mm. because you know it's still probably a work in progress as far as their minds are concerned. Like they they're only going to get better. Mm. So they've got so many points in them, and their defence was unquestionably the best when it mattered at the end of 2018. I can't see them finishing outside the top two, and if they're hungry enough. They've got the best chance of any team in recent times to go back-to-back back to be the first team to do it since 92-93 when the Broncos did it. I feel like I said this was after the Cowboys won the Premiership. Yeah, we say it every year I think probably. we feel like – I think we said it after the Sharks won. If you don't sure. lose any major players, you feel like this is going to be the year, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. And again, I'm sitting here going, well, why can't they? Because they've got such an unbelievable Because history star. tells you they won't. I know. So there's something mental about having the drive to do it all again and, and obviously – getting yourself up every week for this long competition. Cool. But, yeah, I can't, I've can't. i got them in neutral because, guess what, they're at the top of the pops. Yeah. They could get better. They could play a different style of football this year. Um, and I can't, I can't imagine that they won't get better because Tedesco finished the year on fire. Um, they're looking – like their roster is looking even stronger with Angus Crichton in, into the back row. Well, let's uh, name Victor it. Radley's going to get a, more minutes. Yeah, go through it, Matt. Tedesco fullback, Tupo and Brett Morris, the newcomer on the wings, Mitchell, Manu in the centres, Kiri Cronk in the halves, then to the pack, Waria Hargreaves, Jake Friend, C.O. Siwa Tokiaho, Boyd Cordner, Angus Crichton, Victor Radley. There's your starting 13. Bench, Mitch Orbison, Isaac Liu, Lindsay Collins, Zane Tedavano. It's a squad that you said was probably won't miss the top two. I can't see them missing the top one. Yeah, and Brett Morris into the onto the wing and comes in and scores a hat trick in the um, World Club Challenge. They've just yeah, it looks like a machine that could definitely go back to back. Yeah, uh, you know, as I say, they've got the best chance I think of anybody in recent times. Despite the fact that they were only sixteen and eight last year, which is a low win tally for a minor premier. But they were very much a work in progress in 2018. I think they'll be a lot better this year. And, and we've all learned it doesn't matter how you start the season. Well, um, no, it doesn't matter. 24 games long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is the SCG a factor for the Roosters? Given that Allianz, I believe it's back on the demolition page now. It so, should be. So they're going, the Roosters will play the majority of their games at the SCG. Now, is that a factor in their efforts to go back to back? Because I don't, I don't think you could so. argue that while. It's a difficult ground to play on, a rectangle field on a round ground. Yep. Then they're going to get more used to it than the teams they're playing right. there once mm. or twice a season. That's right. So I don't see that being a factor no. either. And not blessed with a massive supporter base, even when they're you know riding high at the top of the premiership ladder. You know they're still only getting their you know thirteen, fourteen thousand people there for most games at at Allianz Stadium. So while the fans are further away at the SCG, they're pretty used to playing in, in not a raucous. Suncorp Stadium type of atmosphere. So I, th- I don't think the, f- the, the SCG is a factor for mine. Let's hope the grass stays in place on Friday well, night. Well, they do have some issues with Take the Take the roller. I'll be out there early <laughs> on Friday taking a long, hard look. I took a look at it at our promo shoot a couple of weeks ago. We did our big Fox yeah. League launch. What would you make of it? 2019. You know, I was thinking, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not going to be tackled on the wicket area because it was still, even though the grass was a bit longer and they tried to soften it up, it's still very firm. Mm. That middle of the of the field, the, you know, the stadium, that wicket, the cricket wicket area, the square, is very firm. So it's not like the you know the old North Sydney Oval back in the eighties where it was concrete. <laughs> yeah. But trust me, I don't want to get tackled. <laughs> um, and we'll see how the rest of it holds up after they replace three thousand square meters. Mm. Three thousand square meters is half a football field. That's 30 by 100. Um, that's a lot of turf. So even though some of that will be outside the playing uh, area, they're going to run it in a different configuration, the stadium, to what they had it for the Waratahs last weekend. But, 
Yeah, we'll see how it holds up. There'll be a lot of interest in the turf on Friday night to start the season. Let's hope there's no issues with that. Let's quickly run through the games this weekend now that we've given you our thoughts on the top eight and the bottom eight and who's going to go up, who's going down, who's treading water. On Thursday night, it's the storm at home against the Brisbane Broncos down there at Amy Park. Um, what do you like, Matty? I like uh, the storm to start with a win at home, despite the fact I think the Broncos are going to have a fantastic season. I was down there yesterday, actually, and they had a big fan day. Mm-hmm. And great to see so much support for the Melbourne Storm right beside Amy Park. The, the ground, the training ground there was overflowing with excitement and energy. And a great way to lead into Thursday night season opener. I'm going the storm. I'm going to say the Brisbane Broncos on the road, as they did a couple of years ago uh, in 2017 on the road against the Sharks. At that stage, the uh, defending premiers, um, they beat them at Shark Park. So I'm going to say the Broncos on the road can uh, win first up down there in Melbourne. The Knights, uh, the early game on Friday night, they take on the Sharks uh, at home. The Knights are at home. This one up there at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium. It hasn't changed name since last year. Nights at home. Good scheduling, isn't it? 6 p.m. Friday to play it at Newcastle, where they're going to get a bumper crowd regardless. They could play it at 2 a.m. and still have 25,000 people turn up. Nights to win on the back of that crowd. Yep, me too. Newcastle for me. Expectations are high up there in the Hunter. The Roosters and the Rabbitohs, the uh, blockbuster on Friday night. The great rivalry, the arch rivals going head-to-head. The Roosters at home. Rested. They didn't play any of their stars in their final trial game against the other Seagulls a couple of weeks ago. Maybe they are a little bit underdone by that, having played early in the World Club Challenge against Wigan over there in the UK. The Rabbitohs look pretty impressive up at Mudgee. We saw them firsthand, Lara. Um, Tough game to pick. I'm going to say the Roosters, though. It's hard to go past the the Premiers. Yeah, I can't go past the Roosters, but I think this is a really hard one. This is one of the hardest ones to pick for the weekend. The matchup that gave rise to the name of this great podcast was, only this time it won't (laughs) be the Rabbitohs scoring late to bring out some of your best. It'll be the Roosters scoring late to beat the Bunnies. Well, that would be something. Now the Warriors are the first game on Super Saturday against the Bulldogs. They're at home over there. At Mount Smart Stadium, uh, fascinating contest in lots of ways, this one. It is, but the home team should prevail over the team I've tipped to run last. That's true. That's where I'm heading. <laughs> yeah, got the Warriors at home. And, you know, if they are to be a factor and they are to make changes without Sean Johnson, then winning these games against teams like the Bulldogs, who finished outside the top eight last season, are must-win games for the Warriors. It should be a huge home advantage over there at Mount Smart. Well, I think they'll win first up. Second game on Super Saturday is the Tigers up against the Seagulls. Again, another fascinating game. We've already mentioned there is no Tom Travojevic with his hamstring issues for the Seagulls. Uh, for that, at home, at Leichhardt, no less, the Tigers maybe in a close one. That's what I'm going to say. West Tigers with no Tommy T for Manly. It's a clean sweep. <laughs> All three of us agree. I'll be up there in Townsville at 1300 Smiles Singing Stadium. Singing songs at the casino was. Unfortunately, the new stadium still isn't ready. Oh. Maybe this time next year, maybe 2020, I think it, it's probably due online. I was hoping the new stadium might be built by the, this stage. Um, you know, as much as we've been to the old stadium in the past, it's a you know interesting place, but not a great, not a great stadium, not a great venue, um, and certainly not a great venue to call out of. The facilities are well below par. Um, so I can't wait till they move into their new stadium. First up, though, against the Dragons, with everything the Dragons have oh. been through in the preseason, are the Cowboys um, favourites here at home? Oh, this I find this the hardest game to pick. I'll wake up tomorrow and go the Dragons, but today I'm going the Cowboys, and I hope that the community can rally around a game of rugby league and find a bit of positivity after a really rough off-season for the people of Townsville. Mm. 
And I think they probably will rally. They'll want to do that for their home fans. Of course, I'm going to go the Dragons, though. Um, they do have a good record recently against the Cowboys. They've won the last three. But this is a really hard one. I'm going to go with my heart and say St. George and Laura. Uh, I'm going to say, geez, I'm going to say the Cowboys at home. But again, maybe a Tamari Martin or Michael Morgan field goal or a Jake Clifford field goal or Jake Granville scoots over from dummy half. But I think it'll... Close. Be in the balance in the in the final set of six. I think somebody still will have a chance to win the game. Uh, Sunday, final two games of round one. The Panthers taking on the Eels, the Western Derby. Um, so much expectation out there at Penrith, but we know they've had their issues quite obviously in the preseason. Um, fairly recent issues as well. The Eels, very much an unknown factor. Uh, Dylan Brown, the halfback there, he, he looks like he'll be the first choice in the seven jumper to start the season. You'd think the Panthers at home should get the cash here? Yes. And I hope that if Dylan Brown plays and does well, that I don't pick up any papers on Monday to read the headline, the next Peter Sterling. Because that's been said a <laughs> There's few times. There's been a few Sterlos over the years. <laughs> I'm going to be different and say Parramatta. And did you say Panthers? I said Panthers. Panthers. I said Panthers. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to go Parramatta. Um, okay. Just to be – I'm not sure. I feel like Penrith, this, this whole debacle that's happened over the last few weeks, there may be a few jittery players and – yeah, not what we want to see at a packed house at Panthers Stadium, but Parramatta to win. I'm just going for an upset there. Something a bit different. If your crystal ball is nice and clear and you come up with a call this week and the Eels beat the Panthers, boy, <laughs> there, there will be some drama out there at Penrith, even though it's round one and you mm. can't lose the competition in round one of the mm. season. But uh, given their lineup, but everything that's happened, uh, should they lose to the Eels, that will get uh, the dogs barking mm. out there at uh, the foot of the mountains. The final game is the Titans at home. A 6-10 kickoff up there with the early summer heat still around on the Gold Coast. Uh, Titans, Raiders, once again, as it was in round one last year. Uh, again, another fascinating contest. There are so many good games yeah. this weekend in round one. With Garth Brennan winning his first game as an NRL coach in this game last season, I reckon he can win his first game of his second season as well. And not Titans as dramatic. I'm ho- I am think he won't want it to be in such no. dramatic fashion. But, yeah, I'm going to go the Titans at home to beat the Raiders. Uh, and let's see how wrong we are this time next week. Yeah. I, because I'm not doing this game, I haven't put a lot of thought into it on, <laughs> on Monday. I've got to tell you, but yeah, tough game. I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say maybe, maybe the Raiders. I think the Raiders on the road can get the cash. I mean, they should have won last year up there, quite obviously. I think they'll get the job done this time around. Be one from one to start 2019. Just going through my list here, was I've tipped the home team. In every single game. There you go. Always a good, you know, yeah. good tactic. If you're in tipping comps early in the season and you're tossing a coin, just go the home teams early on or go all the away teams, either or. It, it, it works in the NBL. Can I give you a little distraction here? I'm yeah. doing the NBL Grand Final Series at the moment. Yeah. Over the last 10 years, there have been 33 NBL Grand Final games. The home team has won 30 of them. Is that 30 right? of 33. So why is the home court such a factor in the NBL? We could be here for another hour and not be such a factor in other sports. There's something for our listeners to ponder until we're back next week, Was Well, with that in mind, I might make a couple of investments perhaps <laughs> with, uh, what, three games potentially to come? Three games potentially to come. Best of five in the NBL yeah, grand final? In, indeed. But you just stick with the home team. The stats say it. Okay. okay. There won't be any flash price the home team uh, <laughs> off the back of those numbers, quite obviously. Uh, it's been fun to chat and talk about uh, our predictions for the season and predictions for round one. Was you, you asked at the start of this podcast, are we ready to go? Yep. After that, I am. Good. Yes. I can't Good wait. to hear. What an opening week.
Looking forward to seeing you both in action on Fox League over round one and the, and the days leading up to it as well. It should be a fascinating opening to the season. Uh, enjoy it all this weekend. We'll see you at various parts around Australia over the course of round one. And until next week, you can take me now. I've seen it all. 